You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. So, Mr. Gustafson, what can we here at Capital Financial Investment and Planning do for you today? Well, I'm ready to start investing. Great. I highly recommend it. Um, specifically, I'm having a hard time nailing down exactly where I want to invest. Mm-hmm. You're not alone in that, Mr. Gustafson. That's why there are professionals like myself to help you along. Our firm has one of the highest rates of return on the market today. Cool. So what do you recommend? Actually, I would like to hear some of your ideas before I offer suggestions. In the end, you are ultimately in control here. I'm here to help you develop a strategy based on your needs, but you make all final investment decisions. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Great. So what are some areas in which you see yourself investing? Well, there are a few, um, but the one that comes to mind is the boy who shovels my driveway. The boy who shovels your driveway? Yeah, great kid. But about a month ago, his dad just left. And it's been really hard on him and his mom. I'm not sure I quite understand. Do you want to invest in snow shoveling or how exactly would you invest? Maybe take him to a game or a movie or something like that. Maybe just spend some time with his family. See if there's a way I can help. You know, invest. Okay, Mr. Gustafson, I'm not sure you completely understand oh, what- Oh, wait. There's this guy at church. He's kind of new, but he really gets a lot out of it. But he's kind of on the fringe, you know? Like, I can tell He wants to connect with other people, but he's waiting on them to initiate. He's someone I absolutely want to invest in. Mr. Gustafson, you do know what we do here, right? Right. You help me find places to invest for my future. Right. We help you choose investments, you know, property, businesses. Oh, well, there's this one business. It's a place that takes care of the homeless like a shelter, but they offer all these other services like education and rehab. I've been thinking very seriously about volunteering there. That's a business? Of sorts. Um, It's a nonprofit organization. It's not going to offer you any returns. What do you mean? It wouldn't make you any money. Money? Yeah. But I thought you said this was about the big picture. Yes. About my future, about maximizing returns. I mean, don't get me wrong. Money's great and all. But at some point, I'm going to die. What about after that? What do you mean after that? I mean after I die. I can't take money with me. I need something that's going to last forever. And I'd like to thank Mr. Gustafson for uh, laying the groundwork today. But you know, the puzzled look on her face is so much like culture when we come along with our ideas of what it's like to live in Christ's kingdom. They just don't understand. And as we studied the Sermon on the Mount, we can see that Christ's kingdom isn't at all like culture. It doesn't value things like, God's doesn't value things like wealth and power and adoration. The values in God's kingdom are things like selflessness, 
and humility and absolutely investing in God's work. And as we go along in the Sermon on the Mount now, we come to Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24, and I had a chance to to preach on some of this passage when we were outside back in the fall in our Illuminate series, but I didn't get a chance to unpack verse 24, and that's what I want to do this morning. Because what Jesus will tell us is that there's just one master for the Christian. That when we choose a master, each of us is beholden to that master. And if we're going to thrive in the kingdom of Christ, that master must be God. And I don't want you to wait to make a decision because the longer you wait, the more enmeshed in this culture you become. The more you fall in love with the earthly pleasures, the harder it is to see straight spiritually. And so now is the time to make a decision regarding your investment and where you're going to steer your life. Is it going to be God or is it going to be culture? Is it going to be God or a comfortable lifestyle? Is it going to be God or just making money and amassing things for yourself? Which will be your master? These are important eternal decisions, and that's why I want you to take the Lord's words seriously, because I don't want you to become enslaved to the things of this world. And then wake up one day and realize that your life has flown by and you haven't invested in God's kingdom. And so I want you to make the right choice before it's too late. So let's turn to this passage. If you have your Bible, if you have a phone or tablet or something with you, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. Matthew six nineteen. The Lord will make it very clear here that A choice to where our allegiance lies must be made. So please make the right choice. And I think that as we see God's word come to life here, the choice will become more and more obvious. So here's the full text beginning in 19. We'll briefly unpack that and then we'll zero in on verse 24. So let's begin in 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. And then verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So Jesus uses three metaphors here to make his point that living in his kingdom requires a choice. The metaphors are treasure, light, and slavery, and he begins with treasure. And understanding this metaphor is important because it will help us to understand that Christ's kingdom isn't the same as culture. Investing in God's kingdom is not like investing in culture. And so 
Look at verse 19 again. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So the first thing that we notice here as we begin to unpack this passage is that your treasure that you amass for the kingdom is safe in the arms of Christ. It will never be taken away from you. It is absolutely secure, and Jesus has the power to do that because Jesus is the Son of God. He is the one who came and died on a cross and gave himself for our sin, but even more, he rose again, and he is alive today, and the Father has graciously awarded him the kingdom, and so your eternal treasure is absolutely safe in his arms. Now, this first metaphor of treasure, there are really three ways you can apply this one. You can apply it to clothing in the first century. Moths would come along often and just eat these expensive garments up. Not a good place for treasure. You can talk about harvest and grain. This was an agricultural society, and and the, the, the grain would be corroded, rusted, destroyed by worms and weather. Not a good place to put your treasure. And then if you wanted to put your treasure at home and you think, well, it'd be safe once I lock the door, not so much. Those homes were built with mud brick so a thief could literally burrow underneath the floor and steal you blind. And what his listeners would have understood immediately is that only a fool would put his security there. And the point is that eternal treasure is the only kind of treasure that is safe in the arms of Christ. And that means a choice between God's kingdom and the temporal things of the world. And it's important that you and I make the right choice. After all, in verse 21, Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so as I read this, I asked myself some hard questions, and I actually put on my prayer list, the first question that confronts me as I pray every morning is, have you given your heart to something else besides God? And so the questions for you are like that. Where is your heart? Who has your heart? Is your heart in the kingdom of Christ, or is your heart somewhere floating out here in this temporal world? Where do your dreams lie? The choice in this first metaphor is between the treasure that you can gather in this world that will be gone or the treasure that you can gather in heaven that's waiting for you, that's held secure by our Savior, Jesus Christ. So then comes the second metaphor, which is light. Look again at 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So this metaphor either means one of two things. It means that when you are full of light, it is like a guide for you, like the lamp unto my feet, so you see where to go. You have direction. Or it could mean that you are connected to Christ and you are being the light of the world and so you are showing others the way to salvation. 
Either way, it's very important that your eye is on the right thing. The good eye is one that is fixed on Jesus and his values. In an unwavering fashion, the bad eye leads you astray as you chase the treasure of this world. And so I want you to see how this all fits together. The decision to pursue eternal treasure will allow your light to shine, both guiding you and guiding others to Jesus, showing the way to salvation, showing the way to hope, showing the way to contentment in this life and investing in the right things. And now Jesus finishes this section with a metaphor that is slavery, and this is where I want to spend the rest of our time. I want to grapple with that question, will you choose eternal treasure or will you choose temporal treasure, fleeting treasure, admiration, comfort, money? Real and lasting treasure awaits you when you make the right decision. And so let's look at verse 24 again because here's the thing, I don't want you to become slaves to the temporal things of the world. I've seen that too often. And so, here's 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So the Lord here in verse 20 commanded his followers to lay up yourselves for yourselves treasures in heaven. And what he's saying is that if you give yourself over to culture, if you give yourself over to the things that the culture says is important, you have made a foolish decision. Because culture only values the temporal. They're trying to sell you on what you can have right now. They're using you. Big tech is selling you. And so if you want to buy in there, that will be a fleeting experience. Jesus is saying, no, No, come to me, serve God. If money, popularity, and the quest for security becomes your master, then you will be enslaved to that master. And so now is the time to decide who your master is going to be. It's time to declare before it's too late. Now what's interesting is the the system that these people were operating in in the first century If you were a slave, after seven years, you could choose to either opt out. It's kind of like during COVID, people can choose to opt out or stay in. But if you chose to stay with your master, if you declared that I'm going to stay with my master, then that was your master for the rest of your life. It was undivided loyalties. And what Jesus is saying is there cannot be divided loyalties in the kingdom of Christ. You can't serve two masters. Now I want to make it very clear here that there's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong with having things. God blesses people. But if you give your heart over to those things, that's when you'll make a catastrophic decision to serve your flesh as it chases after worldly prestige and treasure. And what Jesus is trying to get us to do here is to avoid that problem. And so, how do you know then if your heart is actually in the right place? Because if you're like me, 
There's a fine line there. Yes, we need to rest. Yes, money is okay. God blesses people with money. Yes, it's good to have fun and enjoy. But then where is that line where we cross over and our heart is all of a sudden escaping that kingdom of Christ and moving into the temporal world? Well, here's some questions you could ask yourself to help you understand that. Ask yourself, what things, when I'm just idle and I'm daydreaming, what do I dream about? What do I want to own at the end of the day? What captures me? How important is it for me to impress other people, to present well? Do I really thirst after God's word? And is it important to me to spend time at the feet of Christ every day? Do I pray for those in my sphere of influence that desperately need to hear the gospel? Do I ask God, could you lead someone to me today that I can influence? Is that a part of your thinking process? Because if you are a disciple of Christ, you're going to be concerned about the eternal fate of those around you. These are questions that probably, if you're like me, you're going to ask them, and at some point you're going to go, uh-oh, that question is a problem for me. But you know what the good news there is? Is there's grace. There's grace. God comes along and we live once again in his grace. We're walking on the edge, but here comes God to steer us back on track with that loving hand because he doesn't want us to wander off. He wants to keep us close. And Jesus is really serious about what he's talking about here. And that's why you need to choose before it's too late. The true follower of Christ invests in eternal things. It's full of light that leads other people to the right place. Avoids becoming a slave to the treasures of this world. And here's the thing. If you choose wisely, if you choose living for God over living a life that is devoted to the fleeting things of this world, and you know what they are, your legacy will last and your life will have been well lived. And that's important. The right decision can leave a lasting legacy of souls saved. So let's break down the, the ramifications of what this actually means if I make that decision. The first thing that will happen, if, if you choose to not do that, if you choose to go over here into the, into the temporal world and you chase after all of these things, you're going to find that it flies by so quickly and that it just wasn't worth the effort. And many times when that happens, we wake up and it's too late. Lately, I've been, I'm working my way through Ecclesiastes. I would highly recommend that book if you're in a good mental place. <laughs> but Solomon is the teacher. And Solomon is, is looking for wisdom. And he's gone all these different places to find wisdom and to find meaning. And he finds that life indeed is meaningless, except for serving God. He doesn't say don't enjoy life. In fact, he says many times, enjoy life. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy eating and drinking 
But then at the end of the day, in chapter 12, it all comes down to serve God and keep His commandments. After all that wandering, after all that wondering, after all that trying, that's where he landed. The things of the world go by so quickly. In the book of James, we see that this is very clear. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls, its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. James had this exactly right. We, we tend to take ourselves so seriously. And really, when it comes right down to it, there are two major events in our lives. We, we are born and we die, and then there's in between. And that's where decisions are made. That's where legacy is made. That's where we invest. And we're always going to make mistakes. We're going to invest in the wrong things at times. But it's about your heart. It's about where is your heart? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? When I was a broadcaster early on before I became a pastor, I was still a young broadcaster, and I was doing the radio and television for one of the soccer teams here in Minnesota. And the owner of our team also owned an NFL franchise. And so he would travel with us. He was always very kind to me. But the entire time I knew him, his world revolved around building a new stadium for his NFL team. That's where all of his effort went. That's what he thought about. That's where his time went. That's where his money went. And sure enough, this beautiful stadium got built. And it was the envy of a lot of people. And his name was right on that stadium What a legacy, except for, sadly, not long after that stadium was built, this man passed away, and his family began to fight over the money, and it was an ugly public dispute. Then a corporate sponsor's name went on the stadium, so his name came off, and so all of this effort All of this work, all of this legacy was gone. His name was no longer even associated with the stadium that he spent his whole life dreaming of. Now, it doesn't take away from his life. It doesn't take away from the things he accomplished. He bought that team for $50,000. It's probably worth about $2 billion now. It's not a bad investment if you think about it. But what it does show us is that when you chase after those things, they can quickly disappear. And so what do you want your legacy to be? Do you want to be the the piece of grass that just grows and then has a little bit of life and then just fades away? Do you want to be the person that has your name out there, but then all of a sudden all your efforts are gone and you really don't have an identity anymore? Here's the thing. This is the question that Jesus is proposing here. What are you going to invest in? What's important to you? Will it be God or will it be prestige? Will it be God or will it be pornography? Will it be God or will it be shame? Will it be God or will it be comfort? Will it be God or judging others? Will it be God or fear? Will it be God or popularity? 
Will it be God or money? Will it be God or a million other idols that are trying to grab our attention every day? This is what Jesus is asking. This is what Jesus is getting to in front of his audience here. And he made it clear that you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. And here's the truth of the matter. Your life isn't going to last forever. You know that? And the people around you, their life isn't going to last forever. And they're making eternal decisions. And they need to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ before it's too late. The thing that strikes me about the Sermon on the Mount, as I read it more and study it more, as a kid I grew up, I saw pictures of it. It looked like a nice time. They were all sitting in the grass. Jesus was, you know, speaking away, and they're all smiling. I don't think it was like that. I think it was incredibly confrontive. I think he was rustling up all kinds of dissent. I think the Pharisees were shocked. And the Bible says, as you read through the New Testament, that the more Jesus talked about discipleship and the more he talked about living in his kingdom, people just walked away. They didn't want that. And so we have to choose. We have to choose as a community, too, not just as individuals. We have to choose what kind of church we're going to be. And we're fortunate to have a board and a staff that is really concerned about reaching people for Christ. Talk about that a lot. We pray about that a lot. We're trying to position our church to be that kind of a church. And now here we are in this new season. We've got this work done in the building. We're coming out of COVID. And so what are we going to be? What are we going to do? What are we going to focus on? Where's our treasure going to be? Is it going to be in the familiar, in the easy, in the way we've always done it? Or is it going to be aggressively connecting people to Christ. We want to grow to be a vibrant local church. We want to multiply. We want to plant churches. We want to come alongside other churches and help them. We want to develop leaders and volunteers and pastors and missionaries. We want to send missionaries out from our congregation. We want to know Jesus at a deeper level. We want to do discipleship. We want more small groups. That's one of the things that Neil and Bree Eukel are coming to do to help us do that. And then we want to strengthen our children and student ministries because they are the future. In fact, in many ways, they are the now. And so that's what kind of church that God is calling us to be. But here's the rub. It's not easy. And it takes resources. And sometimes it's pretty daunting because part of this vision is to build a preschool, to leave a legacy, so that when you and I are long gone, there'll be this preschool where kids are still coming and hearing about Christ and hearing about God's worldview and not cultural worldviews. That's a legacy, but it's expensive. And we've got our pre-license, but we have to build this playground, and and we're fighting through it. We're trying to figure out how to do that, and as I look humanly speaking now, just humanly speaking, I see a large budget that we have to reach. And I go, wow, that's, that's enough in itself to pray about. And then I look over here and I go, we're, we're going to ask people to see if they can give above and beyond this to a playground that could very well at the end of the day cost 
after the grading, the fencing, and all the things you have to buy. And humanly speaking, I go, oh, we better put a pause on that. That's not going to work. But then I remember who God is. And then I remember that God has all the money. And, and God doesn't have financial problems. And so God will invest in the things that are important to him. So if we are walking alongside of him, if we are desiring to be a kingdom-minded church, then God will open the storehouses. I don't know how. I don't know through whom. But I've seen it happen before. And so I have no doubt it can happen again. But I only think that way when I'm eternally minded. When I am human Temporally minded, then I just want to give up. It's just too daunting. And so I'm making that decision every day. And so this is, these are the decisions we have to make about legacy. Are we living for the right reasons? And as a church, are we going to just settle? Or are we going to really move forward and, and break through the ceilings that churches have such a hard time breaking through? Are, are, are we going to be serious about heaven and hell and salvation and Christ and the gospel. Are we going to play church? Are we willing to change some things in order to reach others that are in our sphere of influence and that we can reach? And as individuals, are we living on mission? Are you getting up in the morning and are you saying, God, who in my network can I share the gospel with today? Can I have an influence on? Can I just go to lunch with? Can I, can I just begin, become friends with? Are we on mission or are we just getting up in the morning saying, you know what, I just can't wait to do my gaming tonight. Can't wait to watch the game tonight. Do you see the difference in that mindset? And as a church, we want to make Jesus known through community impact. Those are important words because that means we want to affect culture. And so we each have a decision to make both individually and as a corporate body. What do we want to be? What do we want to do? Where do we want our heart to live? Do we want to live in the kingdom of Christ? Or do we want to live in this fading temporal culture? Jesus used three important metaphors. Treasure, light, and slavery. To point out the fact that there is no in-between. You can't have two masters, so which will it be? Now is the time for you to make a choice before it's too late. And I want to give you just a moment to, to ponder this with God, because if you're like me, there's a million different things floating around there that just take my attention and steer me off course, and I get back on course. But maybe just take a moment and pray, Lord, what, what is it that you want me to be? Where do you want my heart? What are the things that are stopping that? What am I excited about? Just take a moment and ponder that with God and then I'll pray. God, I just pray over this, this beautiful flock that you've gathered here at Ridgewood Church. You've brought us here for a reason together. 
You've brought us here to accomplish a mission. The mission involves connecting people to you so that you can save them. We read in Scripture, God, that you want people to be saved, that you desire that all be saved. And through your good graces, Jesus Christ came into our world and made that possible. And through faith in Him, and in His life, and, and, and in His death, and in His resurrection, then we can be free of earthly slavery, and we can become citizens of heaven, children of God. But yet that fight goes on inside of us. The treasures of the world seem so enticing and so immediate, and they're there for us to grasp onto. But God, we want to we, we want to inherit those heavenly treasures where no one can steal them away. And we want to just live for you and do what you want us to do, both as individuals and as a church. So I just pray for each person, each family here, that you would give them wisdom about how best to move forward, how best to make an impact where you've put them, and how we can as a church best move forward before it's too late. And every day that goes by, it's getting closer and closer to being too late. So help us to have an urgency about what we're doing to God. Not a panic, not moving too fast to make wise decisions, but an urgency because the gospel is about heaven and hell. It's important. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.